This podcast brought to you by Daddy Jam's Time Space Mixes. You can listen at mixcloud.com slash daddy jams. Daddy Jam's Time Space Mixes. Listen at mixcloud.com. Welcome to TBF, a Browns fans podcast. Well, Browns fans. If it ain't been tumultuous, if it ain't been interesting, you ain't been listening. Um, my God, what's the season going to look like at the position of quarterback? Still an open-ended question, but one thing we know is that Baker Mayfield won't be playing quarterback in Cleveland. Right? That's right. He will not. Oh. It's amazing, but... Um, Here's a guy who you couldn't have told anybody, say, at the end of his rookie year or following the 2020 season that he wasn't going to be in Cleveland for a long time. <laughs> but no, what a difference. You, you thought you really thought he was. What a difference a year makes. Good God. Wow. What a... Oh. Anyway, so there it is. Um, the so Browns have traded the- Baker Mayfield to the Carolina Panthers. Um, they're picking up $10 million of that salary. Um, Deshaun Watson's uh, hearing has happened. And the results are still undetermined yet. We'll go into some details on that. Uh, looks like... Uh, we got a mighty mouse in Cleveland. If nobody knows who's that, who's that is, um, we'll get into that. And of course, in Cleveland-related news, Darius Garland got a max deal. Yeah, and well deserved. Well deserved. And well deserved. So let's get into this thing and uh, start talking about these Browns. Anyway, how you guys been doing? Pretty good? I'm all right. Uh, fair to Midland. Yeah. Uh, a little pensive on the uh, on the Deshaun Watson deal here. What the yeah. hell is going to happen? Yeah, well. Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. We don't know. We no don't one know. knows. Nobody knows. That's right. Nobody knows. Hardcore um, Browns fans are. Here's a headline. Hardcore Browns fans are abandoning the team because of Deshaun Watson. But it's hard to measure how many. Uh, yeah, because you know what? If they're hardcore Browns fans, uh, they'll be there. Right. They're going to buy tickets anyway, no matter what. So come on, man. Really? Yeah, really. Let's see. I always take offense to that. They'll buy tickets anyway, things, because that's what makes Cleveland a good market and any team market a good market. They'll buy it anyway. Some excuse to throw crap out there. But <laughs> just well, that's true. That's true. It's worked for the <laughs> Indians for a long time. 
Oh, oh, I should say the Guardians. I'm sorry. I'm sure. By the way, the Guardians are evidently doing very well. I don't follow a lot of MLB myself. Uh, let them get to the playoffs, and I'll start watching. I, I heard that much. You know, I really have not been too into watching the Indians slash Guardians since they decided to turn themselves into a farm team. Yes, they got themselves out of that hole. You know, they're pretty. Yeah. They're pretty fun to watch, though. Um, but I hadn't got back into watching them since that point. Yeah, your, um, your statement that, there, Hugh, is predicated on the idea that baseball itself is ever fun to watch, and it's yeah, that's a rare, it's a rare occurrence. Yeah, it used to be. It's, uh, it's like watching paint dry, just a little less so than golf. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think the last time I seriously watched them, and this is bad because I watched them during that playoff run, the last time they went to the World Series. Oh, against the Marlins, the yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. No, 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 not that one. Um, <clears throat> no. They lost in the World Series um, to to the Diamondbacks. I mean, um, um, was that the Cubs they the lost, or was it the Braves? Oh, no, it was the Cubs they lost. It was the Cubs. Oh, okay. Um, and um, I I think if I'm correct, and it was the whole, you know, they they can't they delayed the game because of rain, and they pulled the tarp over and the. Indians had just came back and taken the lead, and I was like, uh, I was in a bar, and I was like, man, when they come back, they're gonna lose, man. They're about to lose all their momentum. And sure enough, it came back, and the Cubs went on a. <laughs> and they did, and there and you they go, did. and there you have and it, and there won. it is, and the rest is history. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, so I'm gonna hit you guys with some headlines first, and then we'll start talking about some things, okay? But uh. Interesting headlines, if you will. Um, some of the most interesting uh, is uh, the AFC North running backs. We're going to talk about the rankings of those running back, either tandems or individuals in the AFC North and see where it stacks up. Uh, will Jacob Phillips finally make an impact at linebacker on the Browns? Of course he will. The truth behind how the Browns viewed childish Baker Mayfield exposed. <laughs> um, and, and here's a guy's opinion now. Uh, this, uh, this is an interesting one. Uh, by a Will Leitner uh, saying uh, why the Browns will quickly regret getting rid of Baker Mayfield. Okay, yeah. No, Emmanuel Ako. I argue, argue with him on that. Yeah. Well, it depends on our quarterback play in retrospect to him. And you know, within, the space, within the space of a week, we heard that the NFL and Deshaun Watson team were negotiating a settlement and now, no, they're not. <laughs> so, and rookie wide receiver David Bell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, running great routes, all kinds. So they say, so they say, so they say. So let's get into it and let's start with the obvious elephant in the room so we can get that out of the way. 
And let's just go through a little timeline of what's happened since we last spoke. If I can find it, where the hell? You know, the web. Does the web get on your nerves nowadays when you go to a a page and it says, "Oh, you got to have a subscription." You mean what's gone on in my life since we last talked? Okay, here we go. No, no, no. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not not (laughs) saying that at all. Okay. So, very quickly, let me just go full screen on this bad boy here. And uh, so, retired federal judge Sue Robinson. Okay, she's the one in charge of deciding Deshaun Watson's fate. So, they held the hearings. Day one ended, and then she said, you're coming back for day two. Day two ended and says, hey, you're coming back for day three. And at the end of day three, she said, now you guys got homework. On the 11th of July, you are all to submit written briefs summarizing your case or your position on this case. And after that, I will take those briefs and the uh, and the. Uh, the testimony been given here in these hearings, and I will make my decision. And of course, since that's happened, many, and I'm going to use my Dr. Evil, evil finger quotes here, insiders have reported that things seem to be tipping Deshaun Watson's way, whereas before that, it's like, this motherfucker's going to be out of football forever. Okay? So, yeah. Where it really stands, I don't think anybody can know. Um, But I will say this, that the NFL only presented evidence on five cases out of 22. Um, Here's an interesting thing. One of the cases they presented on wasn't even one of Tony Busby's clients. It was one he rejected because he said, in his estimation, she didn't have a case. And that was the one whose son supposedly was uh, called to testify or to to be interviewed. And he said, yeah, mom's story really changed after the Mm -hmm. idea of the lawsuits came out. And she said, but if I'd be quiet, she'd take care of me. Um, And uh, yeah. Yeah, I heard something to the effect was denying that he has all 24 cases or something like that. And he turned many away. Blah, blah, blah. He has 24 cases, but that's not all of the people. Okay. All he's saying is that the case where the son was interviewed by the NFL is not his client. As a matter of fact, she has no lawsuit against Deshaun Watson. No. But what it does do, what it does demonstrate. Right. It's the same way where you use a number and you say, well, there's 66 people, but only 24 of them are his clients, right? Mm-hmm. It's because that it looks daunting. It's like, 66 people? What? That's crazy. Well, it also looks crazy if you have one of those people and they're like, yeah, mom's story changed up. Yeah, it's probably a lie. And then you look at that and you're like, okay, well. Well, I, I think it's, 
I, I think one of the very interesting things, and let me see if I can find this particular quote from Tony Busby, where he's addressing just that, okay, the the one case. Because some of the other comments he made, I think, can be somewhat instructive. Hmm. I'm typing there. I don't know if you can hear the clickety-click. <clears throat> no, can't hear, but it's still interesting to me that he does have all 24 and that there's not different attorneys. Like, how did you do that? Hmm. Okay, I'm trying to find it. Turn. Why am I not finding? Oh, here it is. Okay, so now Tony, Tony Busby is saying it, it has been reported that 12 alleged victims spoke to the NFL. Busby said in an email to Pro Football Talk, I have confirmed that 10 of those women were my clients. None of my clients had a question had a son that was questioned by the NFL. As I've said, there were several women who called my office wanting to sue Watson that I decided based on my trial experience not to represent. I know that at least one of those women who I declined to represent spoke to the NFL and also gave a statement to police. I, I can only assume that it was that woman who is the subject of the leak tweeted about by Miss Anderson, and that is Josina Anderson. But... In those comments, Tony Busby goes on to say that, and that's including the cases that we are preparing and may file against the Houston Texans. Now, I want to be clear what I think about this whole idea that Tony Busby and any of his clients are going to sue the Houston Texans. I think it's... I think it's a distraction to take people's attention away from Tony Busby's clear and present and evident relationship with the owner of the Houston Texans. Okay. Well, right. if me and him were colluding together, I certainly wouldn't be suing his team, but he's not. All he said is that we're preparing and we may. So let's be clear. There is no suit against the Houston Texas Texans been filed on behalf of any of his clients by Tony Busby. He's saying right. we are preparing and we may. And I believe that's a fucking red herring. Okay. Yep. To, I, I believe to distract right. people say, no, no, look over there because they don't want the idea that Busby is his neighbor and they're a member of the same country club and all these things to come out and you can draw the logical conclusions from those things because no no activity whatsoever no lawsuit or anything no accusations nothing happened until Deshaun Watson said I want out of Texas exactly exactly and that was their ace in their pocket However, cool. 
If the Texans can be shown to have continued to support the effort to attempt to destroy Deshaun Watson's career after having traded him in, Dr. Evil quotes, good faith to the Cleveland Browns. Okay, I think there may be repercussions for them. Right, and that's where I was getting at, like the last time we talked, that's where I was getting at, like, they, like if if that's where I was like the scenario. So what if that happens? What happens with the Browns? Say Deshaun Watson does never get to play again, and then you find that out. What happens to the trade? Because we can't lose assets and then be a part of still wrecking his career afterwards. You know what I mean? You can't. Exactly. Exactly. So you know. Now, that elephant in the room is out of the way, unless there's some other pertinent fact that I've left out that either of you want to state. I want to move on from talking about Deshaun Watson, because when it comes to the Cleveland Browns of late, if it ain't Deshaun Watson and Baker Mayfield, nobody's talking about it. Right. It's not right. It's not getting talked about. And I think it's time. Well, it is time, but we are going to spend a moment or two on Baker Mayfield first, okay? <laughs> it's, it's just... Oh, you oh, you mean the fact that he's going to take the Panthers to the Super Bowl? Oh, okay. Well, look, I happen to be, you know, you know, when the Browns were not a team, mm-hmm. I picked a team, so I happen to also be a Panthers fan because of that. Well, there you go. When I was a, when I was a kid, I was a Panthers fan during the time that the Browns were not a team. So I've always been a Panthers fan slash Browns fan. So I still get Baker Mayfield. There you go. I didn't. Whether or not that is good or bad, sir, remains to be seen. Yes, I don't know whether that's good or bad. It cannot be. He's got to win the first. They already have. Well, guess what? I know what I think about that. I think everybody who's like, oh, you got to win the job. Yeah, I think he's already won. Baker's going to have to be pretty bad. Okay. Well, what, but, a, but let's give Sam Darnold. Let's give anybody that is wearing an NFL uniform and playing the position of quarterback the credit for understanding that they're better than any quarterback that you will see in the XFL, this, the Canadian League, or anywhere else. Okay. This is true, but I will go to it in this respect. No, he's not as. He's not like hated as much, right? And as bad in a position as being liked as Baker is in Cleveland, but he ain't that far off. Okay. So I just find it Baker's just going to have to be pretty bad not to win that starting job. Yeah, this better hope the front line. So, so let's get on with it. First thing that came out, because now you know Matt Rule is the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Uh, furthermore, Matt Rule is on the hot seat. If he don't win this year, he's out. As a matter of fact, last year when the Panthers spent $10 million to bring Cam Newton back to the team, uh, a number of Panthers fans were noted as saying we'd have been better off to put that $10 million toward buying that <clears throat> rule out. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and some into the front line because they were 15th in the NFL and 25th against the pass. So well, well, we're saying. not worried about that. We're talking about the quarterback position in Carolina. I give a shit about the rest of their team right now. It's a Browns podcast. But with Matt Rule being the uh, the head coach, it came to people's mind that in college, um, you know, after a win, 
people walk around the field, shake each other's hands and shit. And the Oklahoma Sooners played Matt Rule's team and, and, and they inevitably won. And Baker Mayfield can be seen on a tweet that was uh, posted by Eddie Radesovich um, just the other day on, uh, well, no, this, this original tweet was actually in September 23rd of 2017. It's been retweeted many times uh, because Baker Mayfield can be seen shouting to Matt Rule and his team, you forgot who your daddy is. You forgot who your daddy is. Oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> yes. That's that's yes, that's yeah. you forgot who your daddy is. You forgot who uh, dad is. That's right. Um, but but let, let's explore the report that says that now that he's gone, it's time to jump on his grave even more. Okay, a report by Jason Lloyd of the Atlantic has detailed some of the incidents involving Mayfield off the field. The locker room in Cleveland was divided because of Mayfield's behavior. Mayfield was widely viewed as childish and immature. His behavior annoyed teammates and divided the locker room. He was often difficult to coach. There wasn't one moment that broke the relationship between Baker and the Browns. The only thing that remains clear is by the end, neither side trusted the other. Mayfield... Mayfield and Stefanski were terrific dance partners in 2020, guiding the Browns to a postseason and the team's only playoff win of the new era. Stefanski spent their season, their first season together trying hard to get Mayfield comfortable early in games with simple pitch and catch routes before getting more aggressive as the game progressed. It worked well for a while, but the relationship soured like so many others involving Mayfield. By the time it was over, there was a lack of trust on both sides. Mayfield was annoyed. Stefanski missed a meeting the day after the Browns were thrashed by the Patriots and thought the play caller should attend every session. Stefanski was absent because he was meeting instead with Miles Garrett, according to a source, after Garrett lashed out to the media postgame over the coaching staff's lack of adjustments at New England. In one of those careful what you wish for moments Stefanski never missed another meeting and privately shined a glaring spotlight on his quarterback during film sessions from that day forward so understand now you guys remember when Miles Garrett came out talking about play calling right so Kevin Stefanski felt it was necessary to meet with Miles and, and set his mind at ease but since Stefanski missed that offensive team meeting Baker Mayfield heavily criticized him within the locker room and within the organization. And, oh, oh, that's a problem for you? No problem, Baker. I'm going to be at every meeting. And, oh, here, let's look at this film. Hey, Baker, you were fucking up. Oh, you fucked up again, Baker. Oh, look at Baker fucking up. Look at uh, look, hey. I don't disagree with doing that necessarily, okay? Because it does show, look, we all have somewhere we can prove. But what I'm saying is this. Stefanski can be that way about it, but I'm watching the game, okay? Mm -hmm. And if I'm me watching the game can see the same thing that the player is, yes, we know that Baker was fucking up some, 
Everybody knows that. Doesn't have Yeah, but we also do. know that Kevin Stefanski was fucking up some because we ran right. the ball 16 times. Exactly. That's okay. my point I'm getting to. That doesn't excuse the fact that your play calling is awful. Yeah, yes, exactly. There are, there are players exactly. where Baker dropped the ball, and if had he done better on certain plays, yes, there could have been some success. <laughs> you know, I really need to get I really, I really need to get a sound clip of Butch Davis saying, got to do better. Gotta do better. He really gotta needs do to do better. He really gotta do better. To do better. We gotta do better. Because that's all that's all Butch Davis would say in a post game press conference. We gotta do better. Yep. We gotta do better. 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 It was but, like but one word. My, he turned my, it into a new word. Gotta do better. I'm not sure how you spell it. One word. Yeah, yeah. gotta do better. Gotta do better. Gotta do better. Gotta do better. Yeah. 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 Jesus. Um now now let's move on. Other than this, okay, short prediction, guys. What do you think? Baker Mayfield on the Panthers in 2022. Better or worse, Baker, than you've seen? Um, I think, I don't think it's going to be a better or worse Baker. I think he'll be the Baker that he was the season before this past injury. And does that get the Panthers to the playoffs? You want to know what I'm afraid of? I, I think, okay, because... He comes back, right? You got to look at what Baker is walking into. Okay, we're talking about running backs, right? Remember, he's running in. He's going to be walking to a situation where he's with, arguably, at the beginning of last season, the best running back in the NFC. Yeah, Christian okay? McCaffrey appears right. to be, but Christian McCaffrey, given that he's kind of the the bell cow back, and he's diminutive in size as for a running back. Okay. Um, questions about his durability because injuries have plagued Christian McCaffrey. Oh, I mean, I understand that, but I'm saying the situation he's walking into, though, okay? Mm-hmm. He's not walking in a situation where, I mean, the line probably needs some work. But it's not the worst, okay? He doesn't have he doesn't have the worst of anything he's walking into. This is the reason why the Carolina Panthers were so annoyed with their performance last year. The team underperformed, okay? So he's walking into a team that underperformed. Okay, Mm -hmm. so he actually does have some semblance of weapons and stuff. He has a top running back. Okay, what I'm saying is this. He is not walking into a situation where if Baker plays good, he's not going to get to the playoffs. If Baker comes in and plays good, they're going to the playoffs. Okay, so what the Browns need to do, and this is this is for their own sake of criticism in the league. Browns need to get their ass to the playoffs. I, I just, I, I think that Baker, he's not. It's not going to be a twenty twenty season, but it's not going to be bad like twenty twenty one. It's going to be somewhere in between, and I think I don't. I'm not convinced the front that. line protection will be. I'm not. I'm not convinced they won't be a twenty twenty season. Like I, I, like about, I said, he's walking into a team that underperformed. Okay. You have to even look at the fact of what our team was in 2020, okay? No, we weren't bad. We were a team that overperformed. We okay? would. To well, be but let's, let's be fair. Weapons and a better front line than let's the Panthers. Be fair. Let's be fair about the Panthers and understand that last year they had a terribly suspect offensive line. This is true. Um, now this year they have made some moves which look like an improvement to that line. But again, 
You don't know until they hit the field. No. Okay, I, but the other thing I want to I want to add to keep that in is mind, you, though, one point, one more point to add that the Panthers fired their offensive coordinator, who was his game plan was play action bootleg, and and let me tell you something. Play action bootleg is what you're going to have to play to get Baker Mayfield going. Right. Then the other thing, too, that I want to add is, okay, you just made a good point. This was what I was going to say. Play action bootleg, you lose your best running back. That hits your offensive line's performance because the other team is like, yeah, we're not convinced you can run. If they're not convinced you can run, it's about to be a tough day. Oh, long, okay? long day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what? this is what I'm saying. And I'm not saying Baker will get them to the playoffs, but I'm saying everybody in suspect that he won't have a 2020-like season. I'm just saying that is an underperformed team, okay? This is why Carolina fans were so mad. Remember, that team was a playoff team to now they're trash, right? Okay? They're an underperforming team, okay? They have the people, they have the personnel on that team to be in the playoffs right now. Or if so, Baker comes in and plays good, they're probably going to go to the playoffs. Let me ask you, Jeff, as a person who follows the Panthers, was it a stupid move by them to get rid of Cam Newton? Or was his skill set diminished, really? I, I will put I'm gonna say this on the Cam Newton thing. I feel the same way about it as I do Eli Manning. Mm-hmm. Okay. Giants got rid of Eli Manning. People will argue to the teeth, it was the time and blah blah blah. Since they've gotten rid of Manning, what have they done? Nada. Drafted okay, a quarterback. Drafted a quarterback. Drafted a quarterback and traded him to the Panthers. Right. Now yeah, what I was what I'm gonna say is this, okay? Eli Manning, I've looked at the stats, okay, and he is no worse than anybody they've put in there since, okay? What he was playing the season he left, he's no worse than anybody they've put in since. They could have kept him as long as they could have. He could have retired there. The well, way he did he retire wanted. there. I mean, Eli's oh, not did. in the league. I, well, yeah. I, get, I said the way he wanted to. I'm yeah. sure the way Eli wanted to retire was not, oh, man, losing a starting job, bam, let me retire. Okay? Right. Not the worst thing in the world. But I'm sure that's not exactly how you envisioned. He should have been able to stay in that position and do it. Right, right now, Carolina's in the same darn <clears throat> position since Cam Newton has left, and he was, and he was, oh, his skills are waning. Guess what? Nobody who's been in there has really been some. Darnold probably had, did have one season where you're like, oh, okay, yes, okay, but now no, okay. So there's no reason he should have left. That's this is hindsight stuff. Yes, I know. Okay, right. but my opinion of it is that no, they should have never let Cam Newton leave. Then you're looking at Cam Newton now. It's like, but but you see him now. This is Cam Newton. He was out an entire year. Okay, and you threw him in there. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not basing. I, I will never base anything on that because how I feel about that is it won't work in any professional sport. Baseball, it won't work. Well, basketball won't work. It works wait. less than football than any of them. But wait, so that that, that makes me very worried then about a man named Deshaun Watson. I've already said this. That's what I said. Yeah. That's what I've been harping on. Is like you traded all these assets for a guy. While I don't care how he leads, okay? You don't know. Now I will put it this way: Deshaun Watson could come in and play good. 
Okay, but Browns fans have to remember what good is. We didn't pay for good. We're paying for elite. Okay, so he comes in and he's good. You have to accept the fact that you had good. Now, good can win a Super Bowl, as we've seen already. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's true. The right kind of team. Good can win a Super Bowl. Okay, but we're paying for elite. We don't know what we're going to see. We're hoping to see at least good. It is arguable that the Browns' defensive roster is the type of defensive roster that can carry an okay quarterback, a la the 85 Bears, the 2000 Ravens. Right. Okay. It's possible. Now, I I have, as of yet, not seen this powerhouse defense live up to that billing. I, you want to know what I think, though, about that? Mm-hmm. And this is just and I don't think this is going to change, but lots of people have said it. It's been said on Twitter by sports per- personalities during the games and stuff. It, it is actually ridiculous. He may be the most suppressed defensive player I've ever seen. OK, but he gets held way too much. And the league really should be ashamed that you can sit there and watch a game. Okay, Mm -hmm. and highlights can't be shown without him. You can watch prime time of a Browns game and you can't even show (laughs) the highlights if you didn't want to show him being held. Well, he's going to continue to be held until they start calling him. Well, and and again, with a player of the stature and capability of Miles Garrett, I think what you're really looking at is the LeBron James effect in football. I feel more like the Shaq effect. I don't view it like the LeBron James effect. I view Miles Garrett right now as more like Shaq to me. You know why? Because I've made the point to people because I had this argument when somebody one time, Shaq wasn't the most dominant. And I was like, he is. He was. You know why? Stats don't necessarily show it. But name me another player that had the rest, the whole game around him have to formulate to find a way to stop him from not being a guy who you just throw the ball to and he dunks it every goddamn time. Well, in okay. late games, we all know what that strategy was. Right. It was hack-a-shack. It was hacking him. Hack-a-shack. Send him to the line. Send him to the line. What people also don't realize, though, is it, it was hacking and it was also they allowed people to just play Shaq harder than they played other players. There's stuff you could do to Shaq that you couldn't do to anybody else because his body could take it. Mm -hmm. And it looked like you were doing nothing. You know what I mean? It just, he was not played the same. I view that same thing happening to Miles Garrett right now. The stats don't show that Miles Garrett may actually be the best defensive player, bar none, in the NFL right now. The stats don't show it because he gets held so much. Well, let's hope that the uh, let's hope that the league itself uh, gets in in on this because I mean, listen, I got nothing against Aaron Donald, and I think he's a phenomenal player, but it's hard for me to just believe Aaron Donald's the best defensive lineman in a league that has Miles Garrett in it. Yeah, uh, right. and that's what I'm saying. And it's no disrespect to guys like T.J. Watt, Donald, and everything else, okay? Mm-hmm. But if you watch Miles Garrett, if you really watch a game, it's it's ridiculous. He's yeah. he come out with like two or three play. more sacks sometimes purely off of just, like, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's it, at least every other play he's being held, at least. It, there, there were games last season where it was crazy. It was like, you, this can't be the NFL I'm watching. 
That's why I'm actually excited for the defensive line this year. We're going to have a little bit more of a middle this year uh-huh. to maybe see how that helps with. I think Perrion Winfrey is going to be defensive rookie of the year. He might be. He's got a he good might chance. Be the pick of the draft. If, there's, if there's any team he's going to get a one-on-one on, okay, it's the Browns. You right, be, because you got Jadavion and Miles on the ends, and somebody's yeah. somebody's going to be left uncovered. Yeah, somebody's got to be in a one-on-one. He's going to get some one-on-one situations this year. So if he's the one-on-one terror that he's being made out to be, then he's going to get his chance. He'll get some chance at some sacks, that's for sure. Well, now I here's a headline for you guys. Brown's defensive end, Jadavion Clowney, almost signed with the Falcons. Ooh. Clowney signed a one-year deal with Cleveland this offseason. The Atlanta Falcons needed some help to improve the defensive line this offseason and nearly got that help in former number one overall pick Jadavian Clowney. Clowney opted to return to Cleveland Browns after signing a $10 million contract earlier this offseason. Clowney's signing came just weeks after the Browns stunned the entire league and traded for quarterback Deshaun Watson from the Houston Texans. The Falcons were considered finalists in the Watson sweepstakes along with the New Orleans Saints, but the Browns ultimately won out after offering him a fully guaranteed $230 million contract, the richest guaranteed deal in NFL history. Clowney spoke to the Cleveland media Thursday and explained that he was basing his free agency on where Watson went. All right. Okay. You You want to know my opinion on this one? And this is this is an interesting thing. Uh-huh. Um, it helps Cleveland a lot. So I mean, you can add this maybe to a plus in the trade. Where I have I really have my questions of how much they gave up and whether it was worth it. This we was still yet to see. Okay. Right. But one big plus in it is it got them a lot of attention on who came and who didn't. Right. Because it got you to keep Clowney. Right. Because Clowney's like I'm going where Watson's going. I mean, Cleveland doesn't always wind up with a player that does that where it's like, oh, you guys getting Watson? I'm interested now. One player, you know? So that is a good thing for Cleveland and going forward, okay? Because the the one good thing is he comes in, he plays good. We get to the playoffs. It shows promise. There's going to be that promise going into the next year, and then that's going to be further who well, keep in mind, keep, keep in like mind that, that that Jadavian Clowney signed another one-year deal with the Browns. Right. So at the end of this season, um, barring the idea that Deshaun may be suspended for the entire year, um, say Deshaun plays and the Browns don't do well with him at the helm, that could influence a, a, a Jadavian Clowney exit from Cleveland. Right. Uh, and again, next season, I be- don't believe the Browns are in the catbird seat of salary cap space that they are this year. No, they will not be. Yeah. Now, which is okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I was about to. I, I think you're going to get to that here soon. The receiver thing. So. Well, we are, but we're going to talk about David and Joku first. Okay. And the question being, can David and Joku be a number one tight end? Yes, absolutely. By the yes. way, like, I just want to—I want to state a little something curious on this article. This article that I'm getting ready to read from, and we're going to talk about, is on Cleveland.com, written by, written by Ashley Bostock, Bastock. But yesterday, 
the article shows up is the top headline. And then you go and you look at it and you can't read it unless you're an insider. But four days ago, I posted the article to my TBF Nation magazine on Flipboard. Okay. By the way, Flipboard slash Flipboard.com slash Daddy Jams, TBF Nation, baby. Check it out and get your Browns news there. Um, and you can read the whole article. So even when you get those articles that say, oh, you can only read this if you're an insider. Well, unless you got the link that bypasses that. So either somebody's bullshitting somebody somewhere. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I mean, a social media debate consumed Twitter earlier this after, earlier this offseason. Brown's tight end David Njoku wasn't paying attention. The discourse centered around Njoku's flashy new contract extension, a four-year deal worth up to $56.75 million that makes him the fifth highest paid tight end in the NFL, putting him in the company of first-team all-pros and multiple-time pro bowlers like San Francisco's George Kittle, Kansas City's Travis Kelsey, uh, Philadelphia's Dallas Godert, and Baltimore's Mark Andrews. And Njoku, for his comment on that, when somebody pointed out to him, it's actually my first time hearing that the Browns overpaid me. Njoku said during the team's OTAs this offseason, I didn't hear that. I mean, it's my first time. It is what it is. I feel like we are going to do great things together in the near future. Okay, so your thoughts, guys. Uh, David Njoku. He gonna be a top tier tight end? Is he gonna play like we pay? I think he's gonna be. Yeah, I think it. I think it's finally it's it's, it's time that he's gonna show what he's really made of. And we've already seen it, really. I mean, but it's just Baker didn't exploit it necessarily. Well, you know, right. I think that that Najoku is one of the top tier tight ends. No, he is I'll, not now. He is not now. Statistically, you can't even argue. <laughs> no, 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 not now. Okay, but I think well, can I'll, he become I'll, is the question. Absolutely, I'll, I'll put it this way. Okay, uh-huh. um, so you look at Kelsey's stats. Let's look at Kelsey. Kelsey is widely regarded as probably the best, right? Right. So exactly. Now, now, I started, now his twenty Kelsey's twenty twenty season was just amazing. Okay, one hundred five okay. catches, fourteen thousand yards. Mm-hmm. Okay, fourteen hundred yards. I mean, okay. Yeah, I was gonna say fourteen thousand. It's 14, an NFL yards. world history record. No, is it? I mean fourteen hundred yards. Okay? okay, amazing season, right? Um, Super Kelsey. Now last year, last year ninety-two catches, one thousand hundred, one thousand one hundred twenty-five. Yes, awesome season. Okay, now mm-hmm. last year, Njoku, thirty-six catches, four hundred seventy-five yards. Okay, mm-hmm. his average thirteen point two. Um, Kelsey's 12.2, 71 long for Ninjoku, 69 long for uh, Kelsey, nine touchdowns for Kelsey, four for Njoku. Now, 36 receptions, right? Let's arguably say had Njoku caught 92 that year, got targeted enough to catch 92. He's got the averaging numbers, okay? If you look at even as averages right. for his career, 2019 is the only down one in what he had an injury that year, I think, right? Yes. Okay? So his averages show 
if he can handle getting the volume, okay, of what it takes to get 92 receptions, right, that he would be exactly what people are saying he's not. Yeah, the question is, is he going to get targeted enough? That's the question, you know. Well, that's on the Browns, not in Joku. Yeah. Now, if he gets targeted enough and he just can't catch the ball or fill out the numbers, then we got another problem. Well, having said that, guys, let's hear what Stefanski has to say about Njoku. He's young. I do not know if he physically can grow anymore, but his game can grow. That is a conversation I've had with him. I do expect his game to grow, and it's not as simple as saying, hey, we're going to throw more balls to you. I think this his game will grow, and you will see it in the run game and in the pass game, and you will see it kind of throughout. I think he is committed to that. David wants to get better, and to be 25, I think you have that opportunity to get better. And that's the thing that, that people miss. David Njoku is only 25 years old. <clears throat> Right, he's young. And uh, so last season, he was the best blocking tight end on the team with a 72.4 pass blocking grade and a 64.1 run blocking grade, according now, to Pro Football that Focus. Is, that's surprising as hell to me because <laughs> I always thought, look, I always thought, I know we had Hooper, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, Cooper was looking like he got a little less play last year than he than he did before. He's more of a like a touchdown guy for us. They had him in on the end zone a whole lot, Cooper. Um, and I always viewed it that maybe Njoku got a little less of the of the play because Cooper's a better blocker. But basically, what you're explaining is the exact opposite. Right. So now, Alex Van Pelt, the offensive coordinator, says that. Another area where David and Joku can improve vastly is route running. Okay. Especially on plays where he has to break down and make cuts. Uh, Van Pelt said, David is really fast and really good straight line runner. So improvement in his route running ability is possible. And so if you see... If you see this kind of improvement in David Njoku, and I certainly hope we do, because I I want him to justify his salary. And if he does that, we're going to love him as a tight end this year. Speaking of David Njoku, it's his birthday today. Oh, okay. happy birthday, Dave. Happy birthday, David Njoku. Yeah, I, I, I want, I'm so want him to do well, because... I, you know, you talk about underperforming. I thought he was underperforming, and I think it's mostly because of not being targeted and so forth. But I mean, okay, here's a question, guys: Is this the last year, the last ride for Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt as a tandem in Cleveland? I think yes. I think yes, and I think the heavy indicator is out of all the running backs on staff, the only guy doesn't have a new deal. <clears throat> is Kareem Hunt. I will put it this way. They will have to, and even if this happens, it's probably going to be the uh, the other way as well. Because Kareem, uh, I think the rest of the league will see Kareem has, especially with the fact he hasn't got all the wear, he's probably got another good two or three years he could give another team. Okay? Yeah. Kareem's numbers show out again this year. Okay? 
we could possibly maybe give the deal, but I really think it's the end of it, and they will move into Johnson being the other tandem back. Well, what I will say is this, is Kareem Hunt got to find a way to stay healthy and on the field. Yes. No, that's what he – for Kareem Hunt, this season is about staying healthy, letting your numbers show. Because if he stays healthy, lets his numbers show, he'll – He'll probably be on another team next year. His injury was what? Uh, ankle, calf. calf? Calf. Okay. Yeah. And calf injuries on running backs are are notoriously um, pesky. They come back. Okay. It, it, this yeah. is like hammies. Hammies and calves, man. You don't want them. Um, oh, here's, uh, a, here's a feel-good piece of news. Nothing to do with the current team, but Clay Matthews. Uh, junior and owner Art Modell named senior contributor, uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame semifinalists. Okay, I hope Clay, I hope Clay makes it. I give a shit. Well, about I hope Art. Clay makes it. But Jeffrey and I were talking yesterday, Hugh, and the truth is, it doesn't look good because some of the other people. Let's just name a few names that are in the mix. And remember, he's a semifinalist, so they're going to cut this field down. Sterling Sharp, Billy White Shoes Johnson, um, and, and it goes on. I can't remember the list, but let, let me let me. It try was to... a pretty daunting. It, it I, was I a daunting it. list. It was yeah, a daunting yeah. list. Look, I understand the whole thing, and I don't know the exact specifics, but I know you get so much time of continuously being on before it's like, yeah, you can't be on no more. You know. Um, I know you mentioned like a legacy you know, and it, it, stuff like that. And it's amazing because he was really good. He was really consistent. But yeah, that's what I'm that's what I was about to get at though. What's different about like because everybody always looks at like, you know, Okay, the here's the list of players, guys. Just, just oh, you got so, the list? Yeah, I got the list. Kenny Anderson, former quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals, Maxie Brogan. Mark Clayton, one of the one of the one of the one of the Marks brothers for the uh, the Dolphins, right? Roger Craig, Laverne Dilwig, Randy Gratishar, Lester Hayes, Chris Hinton, Chuck Howley, Cecil Isbell, Joe Jacoby, Billy White Shoes Johnson, Mike Ken, Joe Klecko. Bob Kuchenberg, George Kuntz, Jim Marshall, Clay Matthews Jr., Eddie Meter, Stanley Morgan, Tommy Nobis, Ken Riley, Sterling Sharp, Otis Taylor, and Everson Walls. It's, oh, my God. Yeah, it's, it's, I know. It's, it's going to be hard. <laughs> it's going to be yeah. hard. I'm just That's saying. Hey, you know, it's so now, sad. Now, because that, now on, the, on the plus side of that for Browns fans, Modell's going to have a hard time getting there, too, because listen to this. Here's the coaches slash contributors. Bud Adams, Rune Aldridge, C.O. Bracado, Don Coriel, Otho Davis, Ralph Hay, Mike Holmgren, Frank Buckle Kilroy, Eddie, Co- Eddie Cottle, Robert Kraft, Rich McKay, John McVeigh, Art Modell, Clint Murchison Jr., Buddy Parker, Carl Peterson, Dan Reeves, Lee Remmel, Art Rooney Jr., Marty Schottenheimer, Jerry Seaman, Mike Shanahan, Clark Shaughnessy, Seymour Suwaf, Amy Trask, Jim Tunney, Mark Venissi, <clears throat> Lloyd Wells, and John Wooten. 
So it's going to be I, rough I, on both sides. These I, are. I, I know you would argue this, but I think I would put Marty Schottenheimer in before Art Modell. I would. I would certainly. Um, and I don't know why his name didn't make the list of notable Browns people on this list. I just I found that weird. Um, but I, all I'm saying is, is that these, um, first of all, I here's some names I was shocked. I thought Sterling Sharp was in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I don't agree with Billy uh, White Shoes Johnson's not in the <laughs> Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame? I re- what the hell? Yeah, Lester Hayes is not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's the one I was like, Lester Hayes. Roger Craig I mean, is not in the Hall of Fame. Been in. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's totally it's totally amazing to me. So I, I, you know I don't know about Holgren though. Holmgren was a good coach, but. Whatever. Holmgren won a Super Bowl or two, didn't he, with the Packers? Uh, Yeah, maybe he did. Yeah, maybe he did. Yeah, maybe he did. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Brett Favre guy was quarterback. Yeah, that Brett Favre guy was the quarterback. Oh, Oh, wait. Here's a name I left off. I'm sorry. Mike Shanahan. Right. That's Jerry Seaman. Yeah, it's just stupid. Okay. It's just like right. so. Anyway, that that I thought was worth mentioning for. I can't even remember fans. what I was gonna say, but it was probably to the effect of you know. Oh yeah, I was talking about yeah, you know the dropping off and legacy and all that. It just don't look good <laughs> because if he was gonna make it, some of those tight years where he could have made it before, right? The years he should have made it, and that's right. where then, everybody yeah, was like, just, didn't if he couldn't make year? it then, how's he gonna make it now? Yeah. yeah, it's like yeah. That's why I'm saying it's like some of those years where people are like he didn't make it this year. It's like that's when he should have made it. Oh, okay, guys, a couple like, more things be- to talk about, and then we're the heck out of Dodge. Okay. Okay. Um, but this one, Browns impressed with rookie wide receiver David Bell. There we go. As Josh Alpert, as Josh Alper noted for Pro Football Talk, former Purdue Boilermakers wide receiver David Bell fell past the first two rounds of the 22 NFL draft due to questions about his speed. Specifically, Bell ran an underwhelming 4.65 in his official 40-yard dash at the league's scouting combine. Uh, The Cleveland Browns obviously weren't overly concerned as they took a flyer on Bell via a draft choice choice number 99 overall in the third round. Mm -hmm. For a piece published Thursday, and I don't know how many Thursdays ago this was, guys. Uh, Cleveland wide receivers coach slash pass game coordinator Chad O'Shea explained why the club remains high on Bell coming off springtime workouts and heading into training camp that opens later this month. He had the ability to be productive with the ball in his hands, O'Shea said of Bell, according to Anthony Poisel of the Browns website. The job of the receiver is to get open and catch the ball. And we would obviously like to be productive when we have the ball in our hands. He has the ability to make defenders miss in space and the ability to find the end zone. He's an instinctive runner with the ball in his hands and one and one which produced in those cases. So I like the sound of that. Yeah, they're saying he might be the next Landry. No, no, no. If Jarvis Landry 
had been better with the ball in his hand, Jarvis Landry would still be on this team. I'm talking okay. about Landry when he's at his best. Is but what Landry I'm was never that in Cleveland. He was that at the Miami Dolphins. Well, I'm just saying. Okay, it, it, all I'm saying is I don't like the comparison because Jarvis Landry never lived up to billing <clears throat> with the Browns. Never. I don't know, he man. was injured mostly. The problem was injuries held, held him back. If it wasn't a hammy, it was something else. Okay, Jarvis Landry was also a catch-the-ball-and-go-down guy. He, there wasn't a whole lot of yak with Jarvis Landry. He's you know, no, another point is about speed. Speed, I don't think you necessarily need the speed if you're a hell of a route runner. Well, I was going to comment on the speed thing. Is I, I talked with somebody one time um, here recently with the draft coming up. He, we were talking about speed, and he was like, you know, a lot of these things, that, um, especially you're talking about a 40, right? A 40 displays speed right off the jolt, right? Not sustained <laughs> speed either, though. You know what I mean? Some no. guys, if you got it, say you got a guy who gets to a such and such speed, but can hold that speed relatively the whole time. And a guy who hits a relatively big burst, but cools down, right? You don't get to tell any of those things about that speed. You get what I'm saying? Right. So, exactly. So it doesn't give you a real good example of in-game speed. We could end up seeing David Bell. He goes on a hot route, and you're like, speed what? And he looks like the fastest guy on the field, okay? Right. You don't know. Right. You don't know because... But again, I think the strength. There's different types of speed. I think the strength is his ability to make things happen once he's got the ball. Getting open and catching the yeah. ball certainly fundamental for a receiver. But I think the downside, uh, again, Hugh, pointing to your 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 sighting of Jarvis Landry, the downside of Jarvis Landry was once he caught the ball, he was tackled, he was down. <clears throat> there was very few instances of yak. He wasn't making people miss. Okay. And it just wasn't happening. Okay? And that's one of the reasons why he's now a New Orleans Saint. Yeah, he, just you know, wanted, he just wanted to go home. Well, well you he, know, he might have just wanted to go home, but the Browns also didn't want to sign him. Okay? <laughs> you know, if the Browns had offered him a damn contract, he'd have signed. Well, you know, I, now, I, 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 I view that, too, I, as like... It, go for it. Didn't the Browns offer him more than what he took with New Orleans. Am I wrong? I don't think the Browns offered him anything. I don't think they, yeah. I, I don't think, think they, they was, offered him 10 million. I'm I'm not sure about that, but it, but but my, okay. my 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 thought on that was simple. The Browns were in talks with Jarvis Landry and his agent, but there was never any firm offer on the table that you could quote. And there was never any Jarvis rejected the offer. Jarvis was highly interested in coming to the Browns after Deshaun Watson was traded for, and the Browns never made any overtures to Jarvis <clears throat> after that point. All you ever uh, heard was people in the media, the Mary Kay Cabots of the world, saying it's likely we're going to sign Jarvis. You didn't hear the Browns saying that. <laughs> that's you know, and this is half the reason I don't trust Mary Kay. Mary Kay, yeah, okay, she made her bones, but eh, whatever. Did, what she, is she? did she really? I mean, she's known here at TBF as the home and gardening reporter, and it's not because she's a woman. 
Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, All I'm right. not sure I'm what she's predicted and been right on, really. So. Not much at all, honestly. Not much at all, because if well, you if you go back a season and a half, Mary Kay had us going to the Super Bowl with Make Baker Mayfield at the helm, but maybe many of us did that. So I can't well, I, I mean, can't the, fault her for that. The other thing I was going to get at with the whole Jarvis thing is there's nothing wrong with having a receiver. Okay, mm. it doesn't get a whole lot after reliable hands. No, he's okay. a possession receiver, but that's what Jarvis <clears throat> right. was. You Jarvis was a possession receiver for the Browns. Right. Well, what I was going to get at, secondly, with that is you possession receivers don't generally command the same kind of money that you give your number one stud type receiver. Now, okay. I just want you to go back um, and do your own due diligence, Hugh and Jeff, both. Go back and watch Jarvis Landry as a Dolphin. Understand why we wanted him in the first place. And then understand that we never got that on the field in Cleveland. I wouldn't say we never got it. When did I mean, we? we when, did it. when, 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 when? Come on, man. Go watch. <laughs> no, go watch Jarvis Landry's highlights as a receiver with the Dolphins. I, re- I mean, I'm just saying I remember many times that he ran with the ball after catching. He didn't always. What I'm telling you is that you. You know, Jarvis Landry spent more time as a Cleveland Browns receiver injured than he did on the field. Okay? That's just the truth of it. All okay? Right. I will I will give this information. This this is conflicting cuz it kind of supports both of you a little bit. Okay? Mhm. In one respect, 2019, Jarvis Landry had his highest highest per catch average. Now, what I'm what I'm going to get at in this well, Wait a minute. Just, that was well, that was the last eight games with Baker Mayfield breaking the rookie touchdown record. Right. Okay. But let okay. me finish. Let me finish what I'm saying. Fourteen point one. But what I will say to fourteen point one is this: when you start comparing fourteen point one average to um, what elite is, that's that's entering that range of like you're this you're on elite averages. Okay. That's uh-huh. like the entrance to it. So like. Right. That's hard to judge whether whether that is, um, you know what I mean. Do you got something in, in front of you sustainable or not? Or do you, you know, got in front of you anything like what he did with the Dolphins? Say his last couple now, seasons. Now that's what I was going to get to. Now his last season with the Dolphins, he must have been injured. He well, no, he wasn't injured. He had 112 receptions for 987 yards, 8.8 average. Now the season before that, though. 94, 1,136 yards, 12.1 average, 71 was as long. His longest for the Browns was a 65, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, so his longs, he had more. Let me put it this way. For the Browns, he did not have as many longs as he did for the Dolphins. And I think that's where you get – where even with the Dolphins, you may have a situation where he got dink and dunk, dink and dunk, but he blew something up, okay? Okay, bottom line is this. Bottom line is this. The Browns signed Jarvis Landry with the intention of him being the number one receiver. Right. He never was. And they got a possession receiver. Right. Basically what it was. And you don't pay that kind of money for a possession receiver. That's what I was getting at. Like, I'm not saying Jarvis is bad because I actually think Jarvis is good. But Jarvis is more would be more in the world. If we had a Jerry Rice, Jar- Jarvis Landry would have been John Taylor, not Jerry Rice. Yes. Okay. That's okay. Right. 
That's the there you go. That doesn't make him bad. That doesn't make him bad. That no, makes him he's not a chump. Jar- Jarvis is not a chump. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Jarvis is trash. I'm just saying Jarvis never lived up to what the Browns signed him for. Now, let's also remember OBJ didn't either. So if you think about it a second, we could have ended up with the possession receiver and highlight guy, but it just didn't work out. It did not work out. It didn't work out. Well, you know, now OBJ has come out and said that he played the whole entire uh, time with the Rams without an ACL. That the ACL tear did not happen in the Super Bowl. That the entire time he played, he played without an ACL. Well, I'm, I'm confused. Why are you confused? Without an ACL. I mean, I mean, I... He Once did. you tear your ACL, it ain't there, buddy. It's torn in half. Okay? Oh, now I get it. Okay, I, okay. I thought he meant without injury. I was like, oh. No, no without an ACL. <laughs> it basically means he was running pretty much on the leverage of one leg. But uh, um, I kind of find that hard to believe. Because, yeah, I don't think that's I mean, exactly yeah, even when Tom Brady said he played without a ligament, it was the MCL. The medial, it's conceivable you could play without an MCL. The ACL, because of its anterior orientation, um, right? But yeah, that knee would have buckled <laughs> so many times. I'm I just saying can't. that. Yeah. I mean, he does have some very muscular legs, so he probably relied primarily on the, those big muscles in his legs. <laughs> I, I, mean, I got you, but that doesn't help the stability of the joint at all. Here, okay. Here's my problem. I could see it definitely somewhat working. In maybe if he he limited movements and micro movements, but being a receiver, the whole thing is like you do more micro movements than anybody else. No, that's that's my point. I'm like, that's that's the stuff of you know that's 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 an urban legend that. That OB, OBJ's putting out there himself. I don't believe it. Okay, right. on to a little feel-good stuff before we're out the door. And one more player to talk about, too. But here's a list of the top 10 most undervalued Cleveland Browns players in history. Number 10, one. Frank Ryan, quarterback, 63 to 68. He's the quarterback that's responsible for the 64 championship, the last championship the Browns ever won. Uh, exactly. He was also a physicist. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Gary Collins, wide receiver, 62 to 71. Listen, not being old. How about this? Matt Barr, kicker, 81 through 89. I buy that. I buy Matt Barr on that that list. Matt Barr was great. Brian Seib, quarterback from 74 to 83. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Well, a lot of people don't realize that Brian Sipe was on the roster that long. He rode pine behind Mike Phipps for years, dude. For years. Before he ever got a chance to sniff the starting lineup. Yeah, and I think he was better than Phipps. I'm just... just And how about this one? Jeffrey, you'll probably have some feedback on this one. Tim Couch, 1999 to 2003. I I, I do. Well, I've always been of the opinion, okay? Tim Couch got the rough part of the Browns returning, okay? He got beat up, okay? Yeah. I gave him a lot of criticism then. Everybody did, 
Okay, but he he got the Browns to the playoffs. Yes, he did. He got the Browns to the playoffs, and he threw his arm out doing it. Okay, I mean, it, yeah. Uh, once that shoulder was gone, it was done, right? If you look back on Browns history, and Browns fans actually look back and zoomed it out with a big scope. There'd darn near be a statue of Tim Couch. You know why? Because he he took all that criticism. He still got him to the playoffs and threw his arm out doing it, getting beat right. up. Yeah. In 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 hindsight, I think Baker Mayfield's going to end up getting more credit for making the Browns relevant, say, than Tim Couch did. But Tim Couch was one of the only reasons that early expansion Browns team yeah. from '99 was even right even kind of close to relevant. It, it used to be a funny joke to have a Tim Couch jersey. Yeah. And I think if really, right. if you had one now, if things were done right, there'd be paid a little bit more respect to Tim Couch because he got, when she, and I think they started too as well though. When he got that team to the playoffs, it, he did start to get more respect, but he just couldn't do it no more. <clears throat> Here, pulling up the middle of the list, oh. right next to Tim Couch, Josh Cribbs, wide receiver, oh, yeah. kick oh, returner, 2005 definitely. to 2012. He was a, let me let me say man, this about Josh Cribbs. Browns didn't kill Josh Cribbs' career. The NFL did. Okay? Mm-hmm. When they changed the kicking, the way kicking's done, they killed his career. Not that it wasn't for the better or whatever. I know the reasons <laughs> in which they did it, but they killed his career. Okay? There could have been more to Josh Cribbs, but when the, the kicking rules and then all that, yeah. I killed it. I mean, that's that's who he was. And we've so. talked about this guy earlier today. Clay Matthews, linebacker, 1978 to 1993. Yeah. Way underrated. Way. How about this? And I don't agree with this one, but he's on this list. Brian Hoyer, quarterback, 2014-15. What? I do yeah. not agree with before that. Before Tim Couch? Okay, now the list is looking dark. Hoyer before Tim Couch, so we owe we owe more that just, more that that just blew it, man. That yeah, just blew it. yeah, I know. No, we don't owe no more to Hoyer. All right, Hoyer and the final two, the final two, and I think maybe I I counted this list down from one to ten. This can't be the top of the list here. We're looking at okay. This has to be the bottom. Okay, so I think Couch was before Hoyer. Just to be okay. fair, okay. Okay. Dave Logan, wide receiver, seventy-six to eighty-three. Oh hell yeah, hell yes. And well, now you know who should be on there. Who? Nick Chubb. Yes, he should already right. be on there. Nick Chubb. No, no wait. wait underrated. I mean, Nick Chubb is widely heralded as the best running back in the league by a lot of people. Yeah, he's not oh, underrated. Okay. Yeah, okay. I mean, underrated. They're maybe saying I'm a, maybe I'm a little, maybe I'm yeah, more in. The they're saying undervalued. They're saying undervalued. Okay, and the the number ten on the list of the top ten undervalued players, Baker Mayfield. <laughs> Baker Mayfield. <laughs> yeah. Okay, if Baker's on there, then that's Nick Chubb should be on there. Yeah. No. I'm like, no. Yeah, he should. No. I don't. I don't care as good as you think. Nick Chubb is you think is no stop let me finish what I'm saying okay I don't care as much as you think people think Nick Chubb is to the league and isn't if you look at the numbers and the dude got the carries he was supposed to he'd be making the most money of any running back in this league yeah 
Mm. Period. He'd be making the most money of any running back in this league if he got the carries he was supposed to. He is on that list. Okay, so guys, the, it's now time. It's now time to talk about Mighty Mouse. Okay, go ahead. You guys know who that is? That is uh, Middlefield. No, kick returner Jakeem Grant. Oh, I thought that was. I thought he's a kick about. returner for this year. Mighty Mouse, baby. He's a small guy. The Browns have attempted to make their special team units good. Two kickers were drafted in past years. Punters have come and gone. And the kick return game was supposed to have been solved with Jojo Natson, who was injured more than he actually played. Uh, Mike Prefer is a very good special teams coach. He just hasn't had the correct pieces to work with. So this year... Kicker Cade York was drafted, and two free agents were signed to help this group. Punter Corey Boyoquez and kick returner Jakeem Grant Sr. And by the way, Jakeem Grant Sr. looks like he's played with the Dolphins. Okay, so let's see. Let's see. Like a lot of players... Grant, five foot seven and 171 pounds, grew up in Texas. He went to Dr. John Horn High School in Mesquite, Texas, which was a new high school which opened in 2000, along with two other brothers. The Grant household participated in sports. Grant was a standout on the track team with blazing speed. He participated in the 4x100 plus 100 plus the 100 meters. He also played running back in the in middle school, uh, but was switched to wide receiver in high school where he also returned kickoffs and punts. Mesquite Horn's football team made the playoffs all four years Grant went to the school there. He was clocked many times in the 40, but his best time was 4.25, not a misprint. He squatted 435 pounds and had a vertical leap of 40 inches. Now, I want to, let me say again, five foot seven, 171 pounds. Okay. He squatted 435 pounds and had a vertical leap of 40 inches. Okay. Pretty good. Uh, yeah. Uh, his senior year. At just 155 pounds, he was named first-team 5A All-State. He led Mesquite Horn in catches, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns. He was second in rushing yards plus rushing touchdowns. As a three-star recruit to the Rivals.com, Grant had offers from Pittsburgh, Vanderbilt, Tulsa, Wake Forest, Louisiana Tech, Texas Tech, Iowa State, and Colorado State. He chose Tulsa, and then in January decommitted. He quickly had visits with Texas Tech and Pittsburgh, and soon afterwards, he would end, attend Texas Tech. Anyway, uh, let's see. Yeah, let's see where he ended up with in the league. 2016 draft, round six, pick 186. He went to the Dolphins. And... And, uh, yeah, so Mighty Mouse is with us now, though. Signed as a free agent. We, they, the Browns, believe they've got the kick returner they want. Jakeem Grant. Remember that name. Hopefully you'll be talking about it. Oh, and one other thing. We do have the one other thing to talk about. And, And, by the way, this isn't much of a discussion. Uh, but let's just talk about it. Uh, you got four teams in the AFC North, 
and you got four running backs, okay, lead running backs. <clears throat> you got Nick Chubb for the Browns. You got Joe Mixon for the Bengals. You got J.K. Dobbins for the Baltimore Ravens. And you got Najee Harris for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. Who's got the best running game in the AFC North? We do. Just I think damn we do. skippy, buddy. You're damn skippy. And we got we we got five good running backs that we're gonna have to get rid of one, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean we got five backs that literally can make a difference, all of them. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be interesting to now, see. Now by the way, I wanna point something out with talking about running backs again. I was gonna save this a little longer, but I had to pull up my information and make sure I've been talking completely out my butt. And I am right, because I, I I played a lot of Madden when I was a kid. And I'm a uh-huh. bit of a stat buff, okay? Uh-huh. So when I say Chubb should be on that list and he'd be making the most money in the NFL, I'm not <clears throat> wrong. Right now, there is no running back you could actually compare him to on a yard per average wise, okay? Other than Jonathan Taylor. And that Jonathan Taylor has only had two years, okay? But Nick Chubb is averaging for his career 5.3. Derrick Henry is very close, but Derrick Henry has had some seasons of whatever he is averaging 4.9. Even if you go back in history, okay? And you go from running backs on the top list, okay? Uh All-time running backs. Which running of those running backs averaged five yards of carry for their whole career off of the top five list? Basically, no. John Taylor. No. No. For the no, I'm saying all time. Mm-hmm. Your best running backs of all time. For his career, he wasn't five plus. That's not what I'm I'm saying the best running like Barry Sanders, Walter Payton. Oh no, no. no. Which ones did? Which ones did? Oh, I don't I don't think he you know, is. Barry Sanders is the only one. Okay. Walter Payton didn't. Emmett Smith didn't. But Damian Tomlinson didn't. Barry Sanders, Barry Sanders averaged five for his career. That is a hard number to sustain for a career. Right now, Nick Chubb is in the driver's. He's never had a season under five. Okay? Now, he is, uh... Barry's is somebody else. What I'm saying right now is that the numbers basically show if Nick Chubb got the carries that other running backs get, he, he would have to be the most, the highest paid running back in history of the NFL. There's no way he's not on the unappreciated list because he's not getting what he's supposed to. Right. I, I well, agree. His average would certainly be higher if he was getting well, the ball. One guy missed three games shit. last year and still totaled over 1,300 yards. Yeah, and I think Stefanski no, no. robbed him of the title. Okay, what I'm going to say is him getting more carries would more go to the fact that he may possibly have a lower average, okay? But the amount of time he's had this average now is supporting the fact that if you gave him the carries, he probably wouldn't drop the average and his running stats would be ridiculous. Right. Okay. Right. Well, guys, until next time. And by the time next time comes, we'll probably have a decision in the Deshaun Watson case and training camp will have started. Um, Right. And all these are good things. By the way, training camp starts on July 20, the 7th. Okay. You said July 22nd or 7th? 7th. 7th. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'm going to have to try to see how to get tickets. Maybe I could get in there. Uh-huh. If you can, um, I, I would, I would 
I would say I would say this. You start checking now because you might already be too late. All right. Oh, okay. The Browns are it ain't like days of past where there's waning interest. And nobody cared, right? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, well. And for nothing but the, the the controversy of the whole Deshaun Watson thing alone. Okay. But let's go ahead and, 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 and let me try this. See if I can work my equipment. Yeah, we'll uh, let's go ahead and walk out the door, boys. I like that music. It reminds me of TBF, a Browns fans podcast. And that's what you've been listening to for the last, oh, about hour 20, you know? Um, a little longer than I'd like, you know, I'd like, I, I, I don't know. One of these days we're going to hit that hour mark and actually have gotten into everything we wanted to get into and be out. Right. It's easier during the season because you're talking about a game, you know, not things. Right. But regardless, this has been TBF, a Browns fans podcast. We, we highly recommend you tune in to the next podcast where we'll actually be talking about performance on the practice field. And then shortly after that, we'll have preseason games to talk about. Never a dull moment when it comes to the Cleveland Browns now, but what, what I think we can all hope for is a better play calling performance out of the head coach. Please, and, and a heavy reliance on the running game and the defense this year. Please. Please. Now, when I say more running game, I don't want them to do it to a detriment of us. You know what I mean? But right. there's been obvious times where we can run more and it would have helped us. Absolutely. But, you know, well, in the meantime, in the in-between time, and until it's that time, and what time's that time for another episode of TBF, a Browns fans podcast? This is Paul, Jeff, and Hugh saying, we're out. This has been a Basement Tapes production. Yeah.